0: Today we have Robert Altheus. He is the founder of The Whisper, a mindfulness organization that provides coaching, strategies, tools, and techniques to help private clients and businesses find their why so they can become a force of good in the world. He was once an Ivy League educated Fortune 100 corporate executive and later a successful real estate and private equity entrepreneur. Today he resides in Coral Gables, Florida, And is an artist, photographer, avid yogi, crossfitter, kite surfer, and an active dive volunteer, as well as a former board member of the Coral Restoration Foundation. So that's a brief introduction. We're going to get more into Robert's background here on the podcast. So thank you everyone for joining us. And Robert, thank you so much for being on the podcast today.
1: Yeah, thank you, Lindsay. I'm excited about it. Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, definitely. So let's just dive right in. Uh, there's some impressive words in your bio, uh, Ivy leaguer fortune 100 entrepreneur. And I'm just wondering, you know, is that how you define success today? What do you think the purpose of money is? And we like to ask this question to all of the folks that we have on the podcast, because it's, it's a little bit different for everyone. Some people, I mean, success, some people it's a function in society. What, what is the purpose of money for you? Yeah. Robert?
1: Well, there's, there's a couple ways to look at it. I mean, first of all, money is energy, right? And there's nothing wrong with energy. Um, you know, it's it's how we use that energy uh, is, is really the, the matter. So money is also a facilitator. You know, it can facilitate a beautiful life. It can give us the experiences that we want. It can give us access to things that we want to experience in our life. It can, um, you know, be directed in, in, in areas that we think are worthwhile. It could be investment in businesses, could be foundations, could be, uh, you know, good deeds, whatever, whatever it is. I also think it's an amplifier. And uh, what I mean by that is that if you're, you know, a, an asshole in life, it's going to just make you a bigger asshole, the more money you have mm-hmm. uh, at the same time, you know, if you have, uh, you know, the, the right intention, so to speak, or you, you want to bring beauty into this world, you know, money is going to allow you to amplify that vision. And so I think money is a beautiful thing. I don't think it's dirty, even though I went much more on a spiritual path. I think there's this misconception that spirituality and money don't go together. I I think that's completely false. Um, You know, there's nothing inherently wrong with money. Money is neutral, it's just energy. And the only question really is, is how do I use this energy? And there's nothing wrong with being rich or abundant or have a beautiful home and cars and experiences. And, you know, all those things are there for us. I mean, it's all part of this world. It's part for us to enjoy when we get caught up in money, when money starts owning us is really when you start uh, you should pause. Right. And, uh, and and that we see a little bit too much of in this world. So we glorify money probably a little bit uh, too much for the wrong reasons
0: hmm yeah i i think that's well said that money isn't evil inherently it's just a matter of how you're taking that force of that energy and going right. forward, mm-hmm. forward in the world yeah absolutely okay sylvia did you want to ask the next question
2: yes yes of course i mean and i think it's so great to be on here with you uh, uh again Lindsay, uh, on this episode and with robert which i've had the Opportunity to share a lot of impact investment experience. What I, what I find fascinating about to to Robert is, 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 is his background. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's has so much br- breadth of experience. He's been in VC, corporate infrastructure, energy, private equity, buyouts. Has been involved in Latin America, even though he doesn't speak Spanish. Um, and so <laughs> and I, so I, I, I
1: speak it. I speak it poorly. I'm really good at being yelled at in Spanish. You
2: know. <laughs> right. So um, I, I I love that. I love that. That spirit, you know, um, and that versatility uh, that Robert has had in like uh, rolling up his sleeves, um, and I think that that there are a few people that are both entrepreneur and investor. Uh, Robert's one of those people. So, Robert, could you share some wisdom on what you think the biggest challenge to being a social entrepreneur is has been in your personal experience, and maybe the most important lesson that you've gotten through all these broad experiences?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, thank you for that question. Um, you know, wh- when, I started venturing in the impact, um, investments and, uh, and, and, and operations, I was really driven by this, this desire to add a social and environmental focus. And so I really found myself in that, that philosophy. I always felt that business could be a force of good. And that's what I talk about a lot these days. Um, and in my prior career as, as beautiful as some of the projects were, and, and some of the things I was involved in, I never really felt what that that promise was fulfilled and so that's that's why i steered in this direction and i found much more meaning in business i found it um you know much more interesting to see you know what we could do but still run a profitable business because you know without profits we don't have any sustainability or viability in the business itself and i think that's where things sometimes get misaligned i think there's um people with beautiful visions that have a social or environmental agenda that they want to bring into this world but then they forget forget to, be, to make it a profitable business. They they forget that uh, to bring the value, the sort of value in the world that uh, will allow a, a business to prosper. Um, and and then you know I do think there's also some people that believe that just don't believe that those two really can be uh, can be matched, right? And so I think some uh, entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs are kind of. Resistant to make it a business, and I actually think capa, you know, conscious capitalism is a beautiful thing. I think um, you know when we when we bring that into the world, business can be a force of good, and, and in fact, businesses have enormous amounts of influence around the world. Just look at the amount of um, uh, bad things that happen on the back of business. Uh, equally, we can do good things. And so business is a beautiful mechanism. We can touch a lot of lives. We can not just on the, on the consumer base or in the customer base, but we have people that work in these organizations and you know they can make a livelihood doing something that's of purpose, that makes them feel whole, that you know allows them to match their personal values with their careers. So I think there's a, a enormous amount of opportunity and I actually believe that it's the future of business. Um, I, I don't think business as usual, you know, we've seen the tobacco industry, I think, you know, the oil industry is the new uh, tobacco, uh, you know, those those things I call those humanity minus businesses, I think those are gonna be challenging in the future because, you know, clients and customers are gonna ultimately vote with their uh, their purchases. And if you could bring, you know, something of a higher frequency into this world and match that with businesses and something of value, people are gonna be um, drawn to that. And so I do think the, what I call humanity plus business is something that supports humanity in a positive way, it's going to be the future. I think that's where all businesses are going to have to come. It's a big part of my consulting and coaching business that I'm, I'm rolling out because I think there's a lot of large organizations that inherently have this desire as well, or at least this realization. They might not go there for the most altruistic uh, purposes, but they know they have to go there. And the only way businesses go there is when you change leadership. Uh, and this is where leadership really comes in. Uh, you know, we need more visionaries in this world that can see the opportunity. I think there's some, been some beautiful announcements by Volkswagen and Audi that they're going all electric. And they're not doing that because, you know, they, they, they like electric motor so much. You just see that that's where the world is moving. That's where the client base is moving. That's where the regulations are moving. Uh, but these are large organizations, $250 billion in, in revenues a year and they're moving this entire, you know, colossus, this industrial giant is moving in that direction. I mean, these these are the things that we need to applaud and that's that's visionary leadership in my, my view.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that Robert, you're talking about a, a global issue here with social capital and, um, you know, and entrepreneurship and being able to make conscious capital part of everyday life. I'm curious, how have you seen this play out locally, and have you seen, uh, you know, in Miami or in Coral Gables, people finding solutions to these issues?
1: Absolutely, and 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 local is obviously for us Miami, but you know, even just in the U.S. But yeah, I absolutely see a trend in this direction. I think you know, uh, and and Silvio knows this from five years ago or today. I mean, how many more people are talking about this? How many more? Uh, groups do we have? How many more socializers do we have? How many more uh, entrepreneurs do we have that build a social or environmental consciousness into their offering? So I think we're seeing a lot of um, you know opportunity arise. I think there's a lot of people you know I don't want to say jump on this bandwagon, but uh, are moving in this direction, and it's in all sorts of industries, uh, which which is interesting as well. Uh, and I think Miami can play a very vital role in this because we're at ground zero of climate change, right? I mean, it's right at our doorsteps. So, you know, we, we only have to look at the ocean to be reminded, you know, why we need to do this. Uh, so it's, um, and, and this is a beautiful place that, you know hopefully in 50 years is still a thriving place and not submerged like Atlantis. So, you know, that's, that's our job right now.
2: Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Robert. And I think that it's, I, I really appreciate you bringing in the narrative of of Miami being at ground zero and all the challenges that we face. I mean, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're, we're all avid scuba divers and, and, and you know, I think we also appreciate being above the water just as much as we appreciate being below the water. But at least I have the option um, uh, of doing so.
1: Yeah. And I, uh, and, and I wanted to add, actually, I just thought about this. You know, Miami is for another reason, so strategic in such an important place because we are also the capital of Latin America. So we don't only have influence on our local uh, ecosystem here, our our business ecosystem, but what happens in Miami influences Latin America in probably the most material way that we can't even imagine because either Latin American people that are uh, in control of assets that have uh, business acumen, they either travel through here, they have second houses, they might even be based here. And so we have a a disproportional influence on what happens in, in Latin America, and so when we talk about these things, when we make this part of, of of the Miami um dialogue, then we're making it part of the Latin American dialogue. And so I, I think we should also not underestimate how crucial a role Miami plays in a much much larger scale than just local.
2: No, you're you're absolutely on point on that, and 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 I think that you know as the capital of the Americas, uh, Miami is well suited for it as well as to export. Right, incubate the best solutions that we can around here, or import solutions from Latin America that we can expand to the U.S., or vice versa from from the U.S. into Latin America. Um, so, yeah, and,
1: you know, and, and the capital is here, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Latin, Latin American capital runs through Miami. Period. Um, so, uh, you know, this is a crucial point. But capital is like fertilizer, and um, and and you know, we can access this capital and direct it in those directions. Then you know that's the fertilizer that's going to make these types of ventures and, and businesses grow in Latin America as well. So I think it's uh, it yeah, it's uh, Miami has you know just an amazing opportunity to really uh, put itself in the in the spotlight uh, of of this types of uh, thinking and and initiatives.
2: Mm, speaking of fertilizers and ventures, um, is there any particular advice that you would give to? ecopreneurs or emerging managers or, you know, early investors that are starting off in venture capital?
1: Yeah, my, 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 my first advice well, if they, you know, you mean if they're starting ventures or they're, they're, they're going into venture capital. What, what's your uh,
2: question? Uh, well, a little bit of both, right. Uh, both for ecopreneurs on approaching venture capitalists, as well yeah. as like early stage, you know, emerging fund managers that are just getting started in venture capital and how to approach ecopreneurship. Yeah.
1: So, so on the entrepreneurship uh you know, and this has been such a blessing that I had seven years at GE, you know, where you learn operating cadence and you learn a corporate speak and you learn organization, you learn also, you know, that you gotta have your books in order and you gotta be bankable, you know, you're very familiar with that. And I, I don't necessarily like that term, but I think so many of these great small little ventures with great ideas and great initiatives, and even sometimes good products and services, you know, they forget to put the infrastructure in place that makes them attractive to investment. And um and, and so you know I, I always tell people just just you know do this as professional as you can. Don't set it up for where you are today, but set it up for where you know you're gonna be next year when you need to raise that capital. Don't don't get to that point and then put all this in place. I mean, start with that. Lay that lay that infrastructure, you know, right from the beginning. Think big. Uh don't 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 limit yourself. Um and then on the VC side, um, I you know, I'm a I'm a huge subscriber to, you know, the the, the VC world. Uh, I think when people have a passion for this, though, is know what you're getting into, because I think a lot of people get into that business for the wrong reasons. And, you know, because it's, uh, it's glamorous and, you know, it's, it's, um, they they have these prospects of uh, that's where the highest pay is, but I actually believe that it takes a certain, it takes a certain breed of person to thrive in that environment. And if you're an entrepreneur, if you are a businessman, if you want to be on the front lines of building something, then VC might not be the place for you. Uh, You know, VC is a a, a different type of personality that thrives in that environment. Now, if you are interested in that and, and you're very analytical oriented and you enjoy um you know that type of work then by all means you know find a vc firm that has a mission that you subscribe to because i i believe that's one of the most important things to have fulfillment in what you do is that you can really look at the why of the company why does this vc firm exist right what what why did the founders um set this up do i subscribe to that why is that something that that you know lights my fire because if that's the case you know, you're gonna be incredibly successful. But if, you do, if you're if you not aligned, you know, you're gonna have a lot of um, conflicts, internal conflicts, and it's just probably not gonna be the, the place where you thrive. So I, I'd say, be careful and selective where you put your energy. Uh, you only have uh, time is your most valuable commodity and put your time and energy in something that you really truly believe in the why. And I would even, when you interview, ask the why, ask ask yeah. to the founders, like, why why are we here? What, what, are we, what are we trying to accomplish?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, I think that's great advice. Why are we here? Where are we going uh, for all ecopreneurs and entrepreneurs? Mm-hmm. I'm curious of when you got started, Robert, if there were either VCs or entrepreneurs that inspired you in your journey
1: yeah i have several you know richard branson has always been one of my heroes <laughs> for for a variety of reasons and you know um you know i i just i just love how how you know he he said this one thing that so sort of resonated with me and and it was in an interview with desmond tutu and uh and he asked him you know what what is the the, the secret to your success and uh, he said my secret of success as an entrepreneur is because I have a very high tolerance for failure. And I think that's one of the truest things I've ever heard. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not an easy road and sometimes it fails and you have to be, uh, you have to have a little bit of thick skin, you know, your first venture might not take off the way you hoped, right? It's not, we're not all going to be on the cover of Forbes with our first venture, but, you know, if you look at the most successful people in in, in entrepreneurship, you know you'll find often that it's their third, fourth or fifth venture actually is the one that takes off. And so you know I think that's a beautiful uh, you know, a beautiful description of of what you're getting into. and and you know there's no failure, right? There's just lessons learned. Uh, there's a couple other ones. I mean, Elon Musk, I like him because he's got, I think the biggest balls in the world, uh, which I really appreciate. I, I don't necessarily appreciate with some of his abrasiveness. Um, that's just not my personal style, but I do think that he is bold and, um, and I think it's beautiful. Uh, he's, he's very, very committed to his vision. Uh, he has a very, very bold vision. I don't, again, I don't subscribe to all of it. I don't really see the need for us to colonize Mars if we can't even manage this planet um, half decent. So I think we should focus our efforts and technology and biggest brains on how we can make this a beautiful planet uh, and instead of uh, you know wrecking it like we are today. Uh, but I do I do really appreciate his um, his big vision and and and, and just, you know, excuse I me, mean, the guy's got the biggest balls in the world, right? Uh, there's another guy called Jigar Shah, who actually had a filled solar uh, business, and now he's in venture capital and private equ- equity. And, uh, you know, he has just an enormous commitment to, um, you know, re-engineering uh, the infrastructure in the U.S. in a, um, in a, In a sustainable way and I think it's just uh, amazing and he's just one of the most knowledgeable people in that field and and, and just incredibly committed to it. There's another guy that's lesser known Trevor Hardy he's one of the co founders of blue wave solar. Uh, What I love about him is he came out of traditional Tishman spire real estate uh, private equity and he ventured into solar and uh, build an enormous business in a very short period of time. And he uses all his knowledge and background, his uh, access to Wall Street, and he's built a a phenomenally successful solar company that does really meaningful projects uh, in a beautiful way. And he's also a public benefit corporation, which I really appreciate uh, about his efforts. And then there's, for instance, a guy like Patrick Brown, who's the founder of Impossible Burger. Now, Impossible Burger, you know, I say this as a vegetarian. It's 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 a great tasting burger. It's actually not that healthy, that, uh, which I wish he could mix that into it too. But his mission, what I love, is his mission is actually for people to eat less cows because that has an environmental impact. And so he wanted to substitute, to find a substitute product that could basically take away from these CO two emissions, and I love how he created that, and 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 how he went about that, and that he was so specific in what he was trying to address. And he's obviously had a very successful rollout. And some of these meat substitutes, I think, is the future. Obviously, I do think that we need to make them more healthy because otherwise, we're still not addressing this uh, huge, huge health crisis that we have in this country. But I really appreciate, you know, uh, his social mission and his environmental mission. Into building a better vegetarian burger patty and uh, you know so it, it, it can be in all sorts of fields. Uh, that's the beauty of this.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing. That's inspiring.
2: Robert, very much so. and and, and, and speaking of inspiration, is there is if you can go back or, or look at yourself in the mirror when you're just starting as an entrepreneur, is there any advice that you would give yourself?
1: Uh, my first advice would be have more patience. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not blessed with a lot of patience. And, um, you know, when I first ventured into entrepreneurship, which was when I did a buyout from GE in the financial crisis, I was, um, I, I thought it would just take off. Uh, you know, in a way I was naive. Uh, I, I, would, I, would, I was just thinking like, it's just gonna grow. It's just gonna go wild. And obviously it was 2009 and that wasn't the best time to, uh, to step into an airport infrastructure business. Uh, but you know, we did eventually find that growth. But I, I was impatient, and I I will tell you that you know we landed this, um, this 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 amazing deal in December of 2009, which was in Bogota, Colombia, and it really turned around the fortunes of the company. But just a couple of weeks before that, I mean, only two weeks before that, over over Thanksgiving holiday, I told my wife at the time. Uh, you know, I think I might have to redo my uh, my resume because I, I I'm just not sure that this is going to work. We have a couple of small projects bubbling, but I'm not sure that that's going to turn the corner. And you know, if I would have done that, if I would have jumped off that track, I wouldn't have had all that success uh, that I was that I enjoyed after that. And um, and I think that happens a lot. We we give up too quickly. We think that you know we we believe the stories. all the magazines a little bit too much and i can tell you that for most entrepreneurs it takes several years to shoot roots it takes several years of going through trial and tribulations oftentimes our first products and services don't work that well i mean Silvio, you're very familiar with this you started logos capital and you know it's it's not always this this hockey stick that just runs up for most of us you know, it takes some time to adjust, to kind of tweak, to find the products that work and then tweak it a little bit more. And then eventually we find our way. So I think persistence and resilience and patience are just beautiful virtues, uh, you know, and, and some delay of gratification because it's always tempting to jump in a career where you get an immediate paycheck and bonuses and all those things. But if that's not your greatest uh, joy in this world, if that's not really your bliss, then, you know, suck up the pain a little bit. know be poor for a few years it's okay you know it's it's really not that big a deal because the satisfaction and the um the the feeling of accomplishment that you're going to get from building something yourself uh, i think is unmatched i was never able to match that kind of joy and happiness in my corporate career as much as i appreciated being there as much as it was meaningful and i learned a ton so i'm also not opposed at all to going into corporate america and learn as much as you can Um, But I do believe for those of us that have this, this inkling of entrepreneurship, I think eventually you need to do it. You need to, you know, you need to create your art.
0: Wow. I mean, there's so much that I think people are going to gain from the podcast today, Robert. And I know that we're a little tight on time, but I just wanna ask you, um, I have read the reviews, I have not yet read your book, Never Enough of Itis, but Mm -hmm. I I see here on the reviews, five stars, simply exceptional, page turner, mesmerizing. I mean, what what other reasons are there that people should read your book or, or buy your book today?
1: Well, besides that, it would help me, (laughs) Um, you know, I, I, listen, I wrote that book with my heart and I wrote it originally from pain. I was, uh, I was in therapy, I was coming out of divorce and then I had a natural disaster wipe out of business and I found myself uh, on the edge of bankruptcy and um, so I wrote about my journey and you know when my publisher saw the manuscript they said you know can you make it even more personal and i thought it already was but i was really challenged to make it even more personal because they said that's that's what will resonate to people and so the most meaningful way i I mean i got a a text today from someone that read the book and they they were telling me what it meant to them and you know i I always believe you know we, we life is perfect, right? We're always on the road. We need to be on, we get the lessons and we get the, 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 the challenges that we have. And, and I had some pretty tough ones, but I look back at them with, uh, with gratitude and, you know, when you can share, you know, your wisdom, so to speak, and it helps someone else, right? If you, if someone else reads something in your book, that's meaningful to them, that gives them an insight that gives them perspective, that gives them inspiration, then, you know, that's the most rewarding thing that, um, that, that you could ever hear for for a writer and um and i do think that there you know i i put that book chock full the third part of the book is basically my path to self-realization and 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 how i change my thinking of the world and my uh the way i look at the world and the compassion and love that i, that I carry now that I, I just didn't have access to before and so you know i i would say like you see if it helps you, you know, it's just the story, right? It's just my life story. Everybody has their own life story, but, um, but I tried to share as much as I could and be as, uh, forthright and open and uh, naked as I could, because I think it helps people see that I'm not my LinkedIn profile. I'm not all those business school titles and the corporate career. And, you know, of course, when you look at those things, you see, these guys made it. Well, I was a narcissistic asshole. I wasn't an unhappy person and I had millions of dollars in the bank and I, I never felt poor, the richer I got, the poorer I felt. And so learn from that, you know, read that, you know, there's, there's a story behind every LinkedIn page. There's a story behind every picture you see, every title you see. And I give a little insight into that story in my case. And, um, if it's of interest to people, you know, I'd love for them to read it. And, um, you know, and hopefully they can gain a little bit of insight, a little bit of wisdom from it. That's
2: wonderful, uh, Robert. So much wisdom to be shared. Um, thank you, thank you.
1: And and I'm happy to come back if, uh, if if you ever want me back on this. I'm happy to. this these these are my favorite topics. And I tell you, I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna be 50 actually in about two weeks, three weeks. And uh, one of the things that I learned is that I I, I love working with younger people because I, you know, I'm not the future, right? I'm just, a, 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 you know, the baton is being passed on to you guys. And, and you know, when you're in your twenties and thirties, you know, this is your world. I'm just living in it. And I love using this wisdom and the things I learned and helping and building up you know, entrepreneurs, investors, uh, but the younger generation, because you, this is your world, you're shaping it, you are in it right now, you have you are, you have incredible power, it's your fingerprints that are going to be all over this world. And so whatever I can do to inspire or help or uh, contribute to that, I'm a huge fan of and I'm, I'm a huge fan of your generation as well, because I think there, there's a much better alignment with personal values and professional career goals that my generation we just didn't really know that we we just lived this story of success that was the old world story and i think you guys are really embodying kind of the new world that we need to create and so i think it's a beautiful thing and it inspires me and i i enjoy still being uh, being part of it in my way
2: absolutely i mean yeah that's a, that's why we started logos capital you know in the hate of occupy wall street to uh, to to show that uh, finance could be used for good and, uh, and that we could change the system from the inside out with our suits on, yes. and uh, and our scuba gear on, um, uh, instead of you know lighting things on fire, really making the world better one deal yeah. at a time. Yeah. And, and speaking of that, you know, I mean, like, you know, back to Miami and social entrepreneurship and impact investment. What what would you like to see more of? Uh, do you think in order to sort of close the gap and meeting the sustainable development goals, or or making sure that you know the community and the ecosystem of impact could thrive more?
1: Well, I, I think I think that's a great question, by the way. And, um, and you know, the new world in my view is gonna be about co opetition That's actually a book I read a few years ago. I didn't coin that term, but, you know we have this old school mentality that we're all competitors and we really aren't, you know and this is, a, as much as we're local here in Miami we, we, the world is so connected these days that, you know, we are in the whole world and there's obviously the spiritual concept of oneness which I wholly subscribe to, but um the thing is you know we need to work together we need to share ideas we need to you know build each other up because there's abundance in this world beyond our wildest imaginations but we can't do we can't access that in a in a a, with a perception of lack and that it's competition and that it's a zero-sum game because it isn't it isn't a zero-sum game there's plenty for everybody every can be everybody can be wildly successful and so what I'd love to see, especially at this kind of nation phase of, of this movement building up is we need more, more collaboration, more exchanges, more knowledge sharing. Uh, and, and that will help us accelerate the pace of this, you know, really bringing this into the world, you in know, a, in, a, in a very meaningful way. And it's already meaningful, but it can be even more because this is the future in my eyes. This, this is this is the way to do it. And I love what you said because fighting the system is never the way to change a system, right? We've seen this throughout history, um, you know, this is on a political level, on an on a entrepreneurial level, on a, any kind of level, you don't change anything by fighting it because you just get more resistance against you. You, you change it by going within, right, going within an organization and change it from within. Uh, you know, a big business company like ExxonMobil is not going to change, you know, by fighting it from the outside. Of course you could be an activist shareholder, but that's not really going to move the needle. It's going to happen when the people inside, when leadership inside that company, when people in the boardroom start talking about this. So how do we get these discussions in on a, uh, you know, to be had on a much larger scale on the, you know, how do we get into boardrooms? How do we get access to the minds of people? So we start showing a light, that there's a different way to do things, and um, and that's a big part of my mission, to be honest, because I have this corporate background, I speak that language, but I kind of swim across swim across this spiritual river, and I see myself as a bridge between these two. Right, um, I I do understand how business works, and I and I can certainly hold my own uh, in in the boardroom. But I also think that there's a there's there's a different element that we have to mix into all aspects of life. I mean, this is in politics, this is in business, this is in our social interactions, uh, because the way we are within is is what our world reflects. The world is just a mirror, so just look at the world, and and you'll know what to change. And change that within yourself first. Change it within an organization, and it will change without. That's just the universal law. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much, Robert, for your time today. Again, for everyone listening, Robert Alpheus, author of Never Enough and founder of The Whisperer. And uh, check out this podcast and many more on Conscious Capital Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much.